Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello there, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I am delighted to have you with me today. As always, you can text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. You can uh, thereafter click on the link for the podcast, for the live stream, for the Substack, for all my social media. You know, when I step away at Christmas, I'll still be on Instagram. I'm sure putting up pictures. Got to finish putting up garland and stuff in the house for Christmas. Boy, it's coming up on us, isn't it? So my son turns 14 tomorrow. And then my wife's birthday is coming up in um, the next week. And then I got a um, taking Philip to Las Vegas for a hockey game the next week and then Christmas. How did we suddenly get to December? It's like things just picked up with speed. I I had someone, I read a theory a while back that time seems to move faster the older you get because one day is an extraordinary percentage of a child's life, but one day is a minuscule percentage of a middle-aged person's life. And I I guess so. A a year in the life of a five-year-old is one-fifth of their life. A year in the life of a 40-year-old is one-fortieth of their life. So time just seems to pick up speed, I guess. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, it boggles my mind we're suddenly here at Christmas uh, Thanksgiving was yesterday, and, and now suddenly we're at Christmas almost. In any event, I got to move on. Um, no time for self-reflection on that point. I got stuff I got to talk to you about because we now have the numbers, and I know you're going to be fascinated by the numbers. I'm fascinated by the numbers. We have the data. Nate Cohen at the New York Times has the data. Sean Trindy at Real Clear Politics has processed the data. Uh, turnout by Republicans was great. That's the headline. Real Clear Politics, the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, conservative outlets across the board from Fox News uh, to National Review, they've got the data. Turnout by Republicans was great. They just didn't vote Republican. Uh, It suggests candidate quality actually was a factor. This is how the New York Times begins this story on the data. After yet another disappointing showing for Republicans in Georgia's Senate runoff on Tuesday, some conservatives like Sean Hannity, Newt Gingrich, and Kevin McCarthy have begun to point to a surprising culprit, a failure to take advantage of early voting. The theory seems to be that Republicans are losing because early voting gives Democrats a turnout edge. It follows a similar conversation after the midterm elections when a chorus of conservatives said Republicans needed to start encouraging mail voting. I mean, I would like mail voting in this country, but not the way they mean it. (laughs) Kidding, ladies, kidding. In state after state, the final turnout data shows registered Republicans turned out at a higher rate and in some places a much higher rate than registered Democrats, including in many states where Republicans were dealt some of their most embarrassing losses. Instead, High-profile Republicans like Herschel Walker or Blake Masters lost because Republican-leaning voters cast ballots for Democrats even as they voted for Republican candidates for the U.S. House or other down-ballot races in those states. 
Georgia is a fine example. While Mr. Walker may blame turnout for his poor showing in November and earlier this week, other Republican candidates had no problem at all. Brian Kemp won by nearly eight digits over Stacey Abrams. Republican candidates for House won the most votes on the same day. Yet Senator Raphael Warnock won in Georgia anyway because a large group of voters willing to back other Republicans was not willing to back Mr. Walker. We went back and looked at respondents to our pre-election Time Siena survey and matched those to post-election vote turnout records. We found the respondents who said they backed Mr. Walker were actually likelier to vote than those who said they backed Mr. Warnock. But Walker still lost and lost again on Tuesday by three points, two points worse than in November. Okay, let me break this down for you. We have real-world data now. We are not talking about surveys. We are not talking about polling. We are talking about who actually voted. How do we know who actually voted? Well, we can take the list of people who vote regularly in Republican primaries. And if you vote regularly in Republican primaries, we can presume you are a Republican. In the same way, if you vote regularly in a Democratic primary, we can presume you are a Democrat. So we can take the voter survey files and see how many of these Republicans who vote in Republican primaries voted in the general election and how many of the Democrats who vote in Democratic primaries voted in the general election. And guess what? More Republicans voted than Democrats. But those Republicans clearly voted Democrat in some key races. In Maricopa County, Arizona, home to Phoenix and 70% of the state's voters, Republicans turned out 75% compared to 69% of Democrats. Republicans outnumbered Democrats by nine percentage points. And Blake Masters and Kerry Lake both lost Maricopa County. Here's the thing for those saying, well, clearly this was voter fraud with all the irregularity problems in Maricopa County. Other Republicans statewide won, including school superintendent. In Clark County, Nevada, 67% of Republicans voted compared with 57% of Democrats. Republicans outnumbered Democrats statewide, yet Catherine Cortez Masto prevailed over Adam Laxalt, who is a good dude. For those of you who say, well, clearly it was stolen and it was voter fraud, Joe Lombardo, the governor there, governor-elect, is a Republican backed by Donald Trump, and he won. In Georgia, Republicans turned out at a higher rate than Democrats, and every statewide Republican won. Republicans got more votes when you add up all the congressional races. More Republicans voted than Democrats. Add up all the state House races, all the Republicans got more. State Senate, same thing. Only Herschel Walker lost. In Pennsylvania, Republicans got more of the total state share of votes cast for Congress than Democrats and yet lost the governor's race and lost the Senate race. 
I need you to think about that one because some of you will say, well, gerrymandering, gerrymandering. Well, yes, but it balances out in the end because you take all the people who voted in all of these areas of the state and add them together for a statewide vote count. And in the statewide vote count, the Democrats got more votes for their gubernatorial nominee and more votes for their Senate nominee, but the Republicans got more votes across the state for the House of Representatives. In North Carolina, Ted Budd won. Ted Budd is a good dude. He's a friend. But he was heavily tied to Donald Trump in North Carolina. And Ted Budd barely won. And Republicans in North Carolina had a massive blowout. I mean, they got a supermajority in their state Senate, came within a seat of one in the House. They took back the state Supreme Court. Republicans in North Carolina ran everywhere except for two of them. Bo Hines and one other whose name escapes me now. Bo Hines was in a Republican district, heavily Republican district, and he lost to a Democrat. And Ted Budd barely won. Candidates. I mean, the common denominator here is candidates. You can say it's Trump, and the left will say it's Trump. And to a degree, it was Donald Trump. Herschel Walker would not have run, but for Donald Trump, Bo Hines ran an entirely Trump race. Blake Masters was just not a good candidate in Arizona. Outside focus groups said he performed worse in focus groups than almost any candidate who ran. And in some surveys, polled or surveyed worse than anyone ever. Herschel Walker did not poll well with Republicans in Georgia. Dr. Oz did not poll well with Republicans in Pennsylvania. What we suspected turns out to be right. Now, this is really important. You got to understand this, please. Pay attention to me, some of you, those of you who are mad at me, listen to this. You've got to test your presumptions. And my presumptions had been after this election, I thought it was going to be blowout for the Republicans, a banner year for the GOP. Everything suggested it should have been a banner year for the GOP. And when you looked at the turnout, the early vote turnout, when you looked at the day of turnout, who was turning out, Republicans clearly were voting at a higher proportion than Democrats in a lot of key states, which should have been a blowout for the GOP. But now we know those Republican voters voted Democrat or skipped the line in those races. So yes, the caliber of the candidate totally mattered. When you have key Republican voters, you can say they're moderates, you can say they're squishes, you can say they're rhinos. They regularly vote in Republican primaries and they couldn't vote for their Republican candidate. That is not a problem for them. It's a problem that the party in the primary did not put up a candidate who could unite the whole party. This is a problem for the GOP moving forward as well as some Republicans may choose to opt out, stay home, or vote Democrat in 2024. The candidate actually matters. Matters. The point of the primary process is to find a candidate who can build enough ground within the party to become the nominee of the party and hold that party in the general election. One of the things that happened here is that Donald Trump came out so aggressively endorsing certain candidates, it pushed them across the finish line in many cases because Trump fans who waited for Donald Trump to tell him who he thought was good turned out in droves, helped that person, and that person alienated the rest of the party. And the best two examples of that nature nationwide are Herschel Walker in Georgia and Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania. Mehmet Oz won by a tenth of a percent. There is not a person in America 
who disputes the fact that he won because Donald Trump endorsed him, and he barely won even with Trump's endorsement, but he was the worst possible candidate to run against a man who can't put two sentences together due to a stroke. The voters of Pennsylvania, including a number of Republicans, voted for John Fetterman instead of Mehmet Oz. That's a damning indictment on Mehmet Oz as a candidate. Those voters had already voted for John Fetterman statewide as lieutenant governor. They knew him before the stroke. That's something a lot of outsiders forget. They knew John Fetterman before the stroke, and they preferred the man they knew to the outsider from New Jersey who couldn't pronounce the basic names of basic mom-and-pop shops in Pennsylvania. In Georgia, Republicans either skipped the line of the Senate race or voted for Raphael Warnock. In fact, the data shows that Republicans had a much higher propensity to vote in Georgia than Democrats, but a good portion of those Republicans refused to vote in the Senate race or voted for Raphael Warnock because they couldn't bring themselves to vote for Herschel Walker. You may love the guy, but a lot of people didn't including a lot of Republicans. So Republicans in 2024 need to understand this. They actually did turn out. I have presumed, and this is something I'm wrong about, I had presumed that, yes, early voting was a real problem for the GOP. Turns out early voting was not a big problem for the GOP. My theory and the theory of other conservatives is that early voting had been a problem for the GOP and the data that we have now shows it was not uh, Republicans in many key states, including Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Georgia, outperformed the Democrats. The problem was that those Republicans could not bring themselves to vote for the Republican candidates who were the nominees, and that's fixable. That's fixable. In fact, it's more easily fixable to some degree than trying to get an early voting model. The question, though, is can you get a candidate who doesn't alienate the Trump supporters while also not alienating the never-Trump supporters who are all within the Republican Party? Well, in Florida, Ron DeSantis pulled it off. In Georgia, Brian Kemp was able to pull it off. In Wisconsin, Ron Johnson pulled it off. In Missouri, Eric Schmidt pulled it off. In Ohio, J.D. Vance pulled it off. In Ohio, Mike DeWine pulled it off. There are examples around the country, should you choose to follow them and not believe your preferred myth. I was wrong about some of the data here, too. The data shows we don't have an early vote turnout problem for the GOP. We got a candidate quality problem. That is fixable. A friend of mine and I were discussing bull and branch sheets the other night when he was sitting on the front porch with me and he didn't believe that they got softer and softer every time you wash them. His wife was not convinced at all. She figured it was all marketing hype. Now she wants bowl and branch sheets for all of their beds at home. Why? Because they really do get softer every time you wash them. They're free of toxins, pesticides, harsh chemicals at every step of the process. They're the finest 100% organic cotton on earth. They're made by artisans who earn 
earned the pay and the respect they deserve. And right now, you can bring home a better night's sleep this holiday season with Bowl and Branch Bedding. Their signature sheets even come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box. It's going to look good. It's going to feel great. For a limited time, get 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code ERIC at BowlandBranch.com. That's BowlandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. Promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K at BowlandBranch.com. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Let me see if I can squeeze in a phone call here. Lynn, you're going to be up first today. Welcome to the show, Lynn. Hi, Eric. Hi there. Do you hear me? Hi, how are you? Good. What's going on? Yeah, I am in total agreement with the flaw of the candidates and having the best candidates running. And I think that's a valid point. However, I think with your voice, You should also note that we as conservatives or Republicans, even when the candidate is not the better choice, such as Herschel and Warnock, they both were flawed candidates. But Herschel was capable of many things, and he's capable of voting and stopping the Biden agenda. So when it's not perfect, I think as conservatives, we should do what the Democrats do. They put their flawed candidate in office where we're not doing that. And I think that I don't want a flawed candidate at all, candidate. But what I do want to do is I want to stop the Biden agenda. And that is why I voted for Herschel. And that's why I think that should be an emphasis, something else that we should learn as conservatives and Republicans, because we're shooting our own selves in this foot. Because now it's still chaotic. I I don't disagree with what you're saying, but clearly a lot of people do. Um, and a lot of people did not want to vote for a man who uh, has Herschel's baggage and send him to the U.S. Senate. And uh, this is for primary voters moving forward need to be mindful of the fact that there is clearly uh, I voted for him. Uh, and you voted for him, but uh, a significant proportion of Republicans refused to vote for him. And going forward, if we want to win, we got to put up a candidate that convinces those people, okay, he doesn't have the back. And let's just be really, frankly, honest with each other here. I have very good friends who are committed conservatives but they're not going to sell out their soul to vote for a candidate who held a gun to his wife's head, had multiple kids with multiple women, maybe possibly paid for an abortion more than once, and did the things that Herschel Walker did. You can excuse it. You can absolutely excuse it. But some people had a real hard time. And I'm just sorry, folks. I understand the people who says, he's got multiple personality disorder. That's the best we could do. I'm not down for this game. We just went through four years of Trump. I had to hold my nose twice for a man who cheated on his pregnant wife with a porn star, say that everything would get better. He lost to Joe Biden, and now you're giving me someone with multiple personality disorder? Screw this. I'm staying home. Some people don't want to sell their soul to have the world. Some people aren't going to sell out their convictions that character matters to scratch your itch of beating the Democrats because they don't actually think that the Republican Party is a whole lot hell of better than the Democratic Party. And if you can't process that when you're making your pick in the primary, that's not on those people. That's on you.
I voted for Herschel Walker. I had him on this program. I spent time with him behind the scenes. I know many of the people who work for him. Some of them are very longtime friends of mine. I wish he went to the Senate. But I have a lot of very good friends in and out of my church group and around me who could not bring themselves to vote for a man with multiple personality disorder who held a gun to his wife's head, fantasized about murdering people, and did what he did to the rest of his family. And I suggest you consider that they do have a valid point before you condemn them for refusing to sacrifice their vote and character for that. Americans for Prosperity plays to win. That matters a lot to me. I know a lot of D.C.-based organizations that just want to pass paper around to other Beltway insiders or claim they speak for everyday Americans without ever having to leave Washington, D.C. Americans for Prosperity is different. They're not a think tank. They're grassroots do-tank. Americans for Prosperity is a -a one-of-a-kind, freedom-oriented, limited government advocacy and accountability organization that actually takes action to expand opportunity for all Americans and defend your freedom of speech. They're doing great work at all levels of government. What's their secret? Well, they don't really rely on Washington. They've built a network of concerned citizens who are stepping up for freedom in communities all around the country. If you want to learn more, if you want to find out how to get involved with Americans for Prosperity with a chapter near you, and I assure you, they have a chapter near you, check them out at americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. That's americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. So, hey, look, um, I got to say something um, about that. my call. If, Lynn, I, I sure hope you're still listening, Lynn. Uh, some people thought I was yelling at you, and I wasn't because I agree with you. Um, I'm just trying to make the point for everybody else, and and, and I hope you you didn't think I was lecturing you because I wasn't. Um, I'm just trying to point out that we, as a party, have a problem I might as well put this out there for Philip to get up so people can really be mad at me. I know this is a contentious matter for some people. But we as a Republican Party have a problem because we told people that you've got to hold your nose and vote for this guy with character you don't like because he's like Cyrus and leading us back to the promised land or what have you, that that Donald Trump may not be one of us, but he will fight for us. You got to suck it up and and vote for a guy whose character you don't care for for a better tomorrow. And then he lost. Tomorrow did not get better. And now you're saying, well, okay, um, now you've got to hold your nose and vote for the guy with multiple personality disorder who held a gun to his wife's head. Or now you've got to vote for uh, this person who with the character problems and you just got to keep doing this. And, and there are a lot of people who are going to say, I'm sorry, I did it twice. I'm not going to keep debasing myself to vote for people I don't care for to improve a tomorrow that still isn't improving. You got to find better candidates who don't have that sort of baggage. It was obvious from the get-go that this would be a problem. I said as much the moment his name was floated as a candidate that Walker would have this problem. And he did. And it can't be the problem of the people who refused to vote for him when it was the most easily foreseeable problem in the world before he even became a candidate. I just need to set the record straight on that. You can't keep telling people they got to vote for worse and worse people to improve their tomorrow because at some point people will realize it ain't getting any better. Now, I got to move on to actually really important stuff. Um, but I, I just I, I wanted to clarify that because I really didn't want her to think I was was yelling at her as some of you thought I was and I wasn't. 
Um, totally agreed with her. Now, all right. If you listen on the live stream or you listen outside of Atlanta, you will hear me do an ad and it's not a paid for ad. I'm just giving up the inventory because there's a group that I care about and a cause that I care about, a friend that I care about who runs it. Uh, help the persecuted. Help the persecuted reaches out around the world and helps persecuted people of faith, particularly Christians in uh, the Middle East and Southeast Asia. One of the coolest stories I've heard is they helped save the life of a man who was a direct descendant of the prophet Muhammad. He converted to Christianity and his family decided he must be killed for doing so. And Help the Persecuted was able to help rescue him from death. Uh, and they are a completely donor-driven organization. They are run by a friend of mine I got to know in seminary, Josh Youssef, and he's joining me now. Josh, welcome to the show. How are you? Eric, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. Well, let's. can you just provide, uh, I mean, I, I have, but can you provide a general overview of, of Help the Persecuted, please? Yeah, if, if we, you know, our, we are really ministers of the gospel who, you know, seek to rescue, restore, and rebuild the lives of persecuted Christians, uh, primarily in the Middle East, North Africa, and Central Asia. So from Morocco all the way to Iran and, and now into Afghanistan. That's kind of our purview, but about 65% of the cases that we fund and support help and aid are um, are actually from a Muslim background, like the, the gentleman you described uh, from Iraq, actually, him and his cousin um, were both uh, claimed to be, and, and, and their heritage is back, goes back to the prophet Muhammad. When they came to faith in Christ, their family uh, actually imprisoned them in their own homes. And it was this one of the sisters that uh, that snuck them out, that gave them the key to let them out of their room. And, uh, you know, we were able to get them out of Iraq and, and ultimately get them to a safer country, a country that's in the Middle East, but a little more free, and one that's been a real safe haven for, for a lot of our people that we rescue. Now, I know you do a lot of work in the Middle East, and there are more and more stories now out of the Middle East about, well, the, the rising food prices and stuff there. They're so dependent on grain from Ukraine that they're now not getting because of the war there, and prices are going up, massive levels of instability there. Um, you've got a lot of people, uh, converts there, even in, in places like Lebanon, where they may be a little more free to live their faith, but people are really struggling over there. And I know you guys have an interest in, in helping this winter with the food crisis that's growing over there. Yeah, look, Lebanon is a, is a fallback country for us. And so many, whether it be Iraq or Syria or Egypt, or wherever, whenever we have a convert case, we oftentimes fall back to Lebanon. A lot of people don't realize there are a lot of Christians in Lebanon. And the, the, the actual power share agreement in Lebanon allows for a Christian prime minister to serve uh, alongside a Muslim president. So there's this power share agreement. But what's happened is since the, the Beirut bombing, you know, the, the, the port bombing, the COVID and, the, and a series of other uh, you know, government corruptions, they basically they're at forty percent unemployment. The currency is devalued twenty six times. Uh, you've got rolling blackouts where you might have one to two hours of power a day. Uh, it is it is devastation like I've never seen in in that part of the world. And 
you know, you've got if somebody was making a thousand U.S. dollars a month salary, they're now making fifty dollars a month, and they're having to choose between Gosh. heating their home and eating. And so our team said, look, let's build a farm. <laughs> so we built uh, a farm with like thirteen polytunnels, uh, greenhouses, and and we produce thirty nine truckloads of veg a month. Uh, and then that goes, and that's that's all year round. And so we distribute that throughout the communities, particularly those that are most at risk, uh, those that have fled, um, you know, persecution from other neighboring countries. But <clears throat> just really proud, really proud of our team. They've done a great job. Now, I, I, let me let's step back now because I, I know you're over there, and I want to talk more about the geopolitical situation as well. But uh, how did you get inspired to? come up with an organization like this that really does, I mean, having grown up in the Middle East, I, I know you're, you're, you're going into harm's way, essentially, into some of these countries to try to help Christians. You know, my, my father, his story is one of, of fleeing persecution from Egypt. And, uh, you know, it was people who helped him in Lebanon uh, to ultimately get to Australia. So my family is the benefit of, of, of Christians coming alongside and aiding uh, you know, persecuted refugees. So that's that's probably at my core what drives me. But really, a lot of it was when my father and I did a lot of media work in the Middle East, and the staff, the team, the the core team of people that I brought together uh, from from North Africa all the way through Central Asia, they were saying things like, "Look, this these people who have left their faith, left Islam for for Jesus, are suffering immensely." They've lost their job. They've lost their families. They've lost their inheritance. In some cases, they lose their lives. And so it's family members who are left to pick up the pieces as a result of that. But I felt really called to, to come alongside these people, really at their, their point of need and weakness, to try to help grow the church in that part of the world. Now, in that part of the world, in addition to the instability we've seen in Iraq and now in, you've still got the situation in Syria and the war going on there, Yemen, I mean, when I was a kid, you had North and South Yemen. They combined, they've become deeply unstable in the middle of a civil war there. And it's also, you've got a concentration of Christians there on the southern end of the Arabian Peninsula who seem to um, almost be abandoned by the West these days. They, they seem to be forgotten to some degree with all the other geopolitical instability in the Middle East. You know, the United Nations is saying that, that both Syria and Yemen as a crisis is is not just the worst crisis that we're seeing today, but possibly the worst crisis crises in, in the history of the world. Um, there is mass starvation. There is intense, uh, you know, ra racism. Between, you know, issues between two ra the two races, and then you've got you know persecution of of minorities. And uh, you know, the, the great story is one of our team members who was who had to flee his country. <laughs> is now uh, going to serve in Yemen, where he's not known, and his background is not known, and he's going to go serve the, the church in Yemen. Wow, that, that's, that's impressive. So what are, what are your guys' needs right now in particular uh, in the Middle East that people could help you with? And by the way, folks, uh, I'm talking with Josh Youssef, uh, who runs Help the Persecuted, global charity to help the people of faith who are being persecuted. You can donate. If you text the word donate to 33777, I'll send you back the link. 
or htp.org slash Eric also works, but text donate to 33777. Josh, people donating to help the persecuted, how, how does it actually help you guys? What's the money go to? Well, our, our biggest projects these next few months is uh, winter relief. So in, in Lebanon, we have uh, projects in Lebanon, as I mentioned, the farm, as well as um, other hot meal distributions that we do to uh, at-risk communities, particularly uh, Christian minorities. And then in Syria, we're also doing a project in Aleppo. I mean, they're in the second decade of their of the Civil War or the fallout from the Civil War. And uh, many of these kids, they've never, they've never, well, some of them never had a, a pair of shoes uh, from the time they were born. I mean, they're they're living in absolute abject poverty. And so we're we're doing a shoe distribution, a coat distribution, a fuel distribution for uh, propane and heating, and uh, and then we're going to also get, we're just do kind of a Christmas celebration in Aleppo uh, uh, for these these children. So those are the kind of the things we're dialed in on right now in Lebanon and in Syria, and then in Yemen as well. Now, um, I know there's a December match for people who are interested in donating. That any gift is going to be doubled up to. Five hundred thousand uh, dollars. You, you guys have had just some tremendous donor relationships build up over time. Uh, and in my notes here, it says you're planning on hiring a, a team members inside Afghanistan and Yemen to establish a crisis response program in Aleppo. Uh, let, let's talk about that and uh, how you guys find and build safe houses. Well, you know, we pulled uh, most of our people out of Afghanistan in October, last uh, October of 21. And so we, we really haven't had eyes on the ground uh, since then. And so we have a, a team member who has um, agreed to go in at uh, the first of the year to, um, and he's kind of going in as a, as a humanitarian. And uh, he's gonna begin to work uh, that route for us as well as uh, cases, specific cases of persecution, people we were not able to get out uh, in October of 21. Um, and then in Aleppo, we've got two really great uh, team members in Syria who are going to administer uh, that Christmas uh, distribution as well. So, you know, I, I tell people I work with some of the most courageous people in the world. I mean, they just they put their lives on the line for the Lord and for their people every day. And, uh, you know, the fact that that one of my 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 Middle Eastern colleagues is willing to go to Yemen to serve even after he himself experienced just immense persecution uh nobody would fault him if he said hey i i want to sit this one out but he said no i'm i'm going in i'm going to go help good for him look uh i'm out of time here uh i know i'm going to get you back on tomorrow because we still got a lot more to talk about central and southeast asia and the like you guys are just it's great to see you growing and spreading around the world uh, and I'm really hoping that uh, people will step up, particularly during the Christmas season, uh, if they can, to help persecuted Christians around the world. You can text DONATE to 33777. And Josh, it's always good to hear from you. You know, I I, I went to the Spotted Cow the other day, and I, I hung out with our buddy Dees, and uh, you weren't there. Uh, so I missed you. I was in the, Lebanon, but I, I, I missed uh, it. And well, I, there I were do, a, I do a couple of closet Eric. Presbyterians around there, so I felt oh, okay. It's <laughs> good. Well, look, we couldn't do it without you, Eric. I don't know where we'd be without the Eric Erickson show and your listeners have just been so faithful. So thank you. You're welcome. Absolutely. Josh Youssef. Um, if you know the last name, yes, his, his father is, uh, the senior pastor at church of the apostles in Atlanta. Uh, Josh and I got to know each other in, in seminary. He, 
Uh, it took him longer to graduate. Well, I'll actually beat him, but I'm just, I'm not working on a degree. I'm just taking all the classes. He was working on a degree, uh, but he got it. His organization, Help the Persecuted, around the world helps persecuted Christians uh, who need to flee for their lives or in communities that show them extreme persecution, tries to make their life a little more livable and comfortable. Uh, and he is always going into war-torn areas to help those in need, but he needs your help. And if you are willing to help, text the word DONATE to 33777, and the link there will get you to help the persecuted. Right now, up to $500,000, they've got a match, uh, and they really need help this time of year is when persecution, this and Easter, uh, the world comes out to persecute Christians in the Middle East, and they have safe houses for them and provide jobs and opportunities for them. Um, and it is completely donor driven. Text donate to 33777. You know, in this country, you don't have to donate to Americans for prosperity, but if you want to become a better, a better activist in this country, AFP is a great group for you to think about here. Uh, Americans for Prosperity is committed to free markets and free people, and they have been. I, I wrote a piece today that I want to get into later on some of the issues with the conservative movement right now. And one of those is, is people are kind of abandoning necessarily what they believe uh, or they're, they're whispering it because they don't want to alienate people. AFP is shouting it from the rooftops. Free markets and free people is what they believe in, always have. They haven't gone wobbly. It's why I like them. They are convictional. They are conservative. And they have local groups around the country you can join instead of just aligning with a think tank in Washington that trades boring white papers. You can actually be an on-the-ground activist with AFP. Join them, americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Join Americans for Prosperity around the country. They've got chapters. They're always building chapters in states that don't have them. They're growing. They teach you how to be a better activist. They give you all the information you need to make sound conservative arguments. They are a great group which I am delighted to have as an advertiser, americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, delighted to have you with me. We got a lot more going on. Um, New York Times reporters have gone on strike. That's right. New York Times reporters have gone on strike. Uh, this hour of the program... <laughs> It's a perfect transition because I know Mr. Frost is going to be laughing at the story too. Uh, First Liberty Building and Loan, uh, they're run by the Frost family, good conservative Christian family. They despise the New York Times as much as I do. Um, if you if you grow in your business, uh, you can reach out to firstlibertyga.com. Um, tell them I sent you. See if they can work with you. Let's get a laugh from the story together. So some of the big names of the New York Times are not skipping out. Uh, Peter Baker the chief White House reporter and White House correspondent Michael Shearer told colleagues that they are not participating in a one-day work stoppage. Scabs, I guess. Uh, some of them, more than a 1,000 union members, pledged to strike for one day. That's right. One day. Um, now, they're still generating news, so clearly not everybody um, decided to walk out. In fact, the New York Times itself has kind of buried coverage of its own strike. And they're featuring 20 cookie videos to put you in the holiday spirit. That That's their news coverage today. 
Uh, no, I'm kidding. They, they've, they've got uh, Congress rebukes the NFL and, and Snyder for impeding sexual harassment investigation. The ex, uh, Brittany Griner exchange. Uh, they're, they're actually, uh, the, the bill to protect same-sex marriage passed Congress. They got that. So, I mean, people are working, but a thousand of them walked away. So the organization is still able to do the news, though a thousand people walked off the job. That probably tells you, much like the government, they could downsize. All right, we'll be back. We got much more to cover. When we come back, we'll take your phone calls as well.